This reading can be found on page 1,225 in the Pew Bibles and also at the bottom of page 3 on our sheet and also it's going to be shown on the screen. And it's from 1 John beginning at chapter 1 and reading from verse 1 to verse 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. We're in a a new year and we're starting a new book for our sermon series for the first half of 2023, 1 John. It's a wonderful book about assurance in faith. Lots of paragraphs, sections of this book assuring us that we are Christians if such and such. Uh, Perhaps the best known of those being chapter 2 verse 1, which is the fourth of the comfortable words that we often read and say at communion services. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He is the propitiation for our sins. Just one of the many assurances in this letter. We'll look though today at just the first four verses of the first chapter, the prologue to the letter. And here we're going to see a little bit about the subject of the letter the authority behind the letter, and the intention of the uh, letter's author. Firstly, the the subject uh, is very clearly about Jesus. He's not named as such in the first couple of verses. Instead, uh, the author draws us in uh, by using some descriptive terms to refer to him. That which was from the beginning, he describes uh, him as in verse 1. The word of life. And verse 2, the eternal life that was with the Father. Almost cryptic starts to this letter. Uh, Deliberately intriguing to to draw the reader in, to make them want to read on. Descriptive terms which make us think as we begin reading. That which was from the beginning. Uh, Is the that a thing or an idea or a person or God? That which was from the beginning. Something of foundational importance, something um, fundamental we're going to be reading about in this letter, something primary. And the word of life, life certainly is of primary importance, life and death. The word of life, we're going to be reading about something intelligible about life, something that tells us about life, something that is the key to life and death. Uh, Eternal life, he refers to, something we all want, something Uh, to look forward to beyond the grave. 
the eternal life which was with the Father. Uh, There's something here about God, certainly, something familial and relational. People know how the phrase ends, uh, many people anyway, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Um, I'm sure you were thinking that, even if you weren't saying it. Uh, Ads used since about the 1940s to um, advertise Superman comics and films. Um, People seeing something moving fast in the sky. Uh, Is it a bird? No, it's stronger, it's faster. Uh, Something moving purposefully. Is it a plane? It's more than just those things. It's Superman. And the beginning of this epistle uh, functions rather more seriously, but in slightly the same way. Uh, Is it a word? Is it an eternal word? Is it an eternal word with the Father? It's more than just those things. It's Jesus. An intriguing beginning for outsiders, an exciting beginning for insiders who know exactly where that's going, and certainly for everybody, uh, an emphasis on the importance of the subject matter about Jesus, who is the key to darkness and revelation, life and death, in and out, God himself. A letter that is going to be relevant for everyone. Now, there's many people in the world talking about those subjects, many voices that want us to listen to them when they talk about darkness and light, life and death, in and out, the nature of God. Why would we listen to John? What are his credentials for listening to his version of events, his take on things? He gives us some indication of his authority. And it's a very tactile uh, indication of his authority. So verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. He's heard, he's seen, he's looked, he's touched. It continues in verse 2. The life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which is with the Father and has appeared to us. Not just an eyewitness then, he's also a hand witness, an ear witness, maybe even a nose witness. He's probably smelt Jesus as well. Not just a passing encounter, in other words, with the truth. Not just a light momentary association with his subject matter. No, he's known and he's lived and he's worked hand in hand with the Lord. He's seen and smelt and touched and heard him. And there's a very obvious similarity at the beginning of this letter with John's gospel. In the beginning was the word, that gospel, gospel begins, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Very similar language to the start of this letter. And those similarities will continue as we read on in the letter. We'll see the parallels between the letter First John and the Gospel of John on themes like Jesus' humanity and divinity, the link between believing and obeying, and the primacy of love in Christian discipleship. So we certainly are dealing with John here, even though he's not self-identifying as many letters do at the beginning that this is from John. This is very certainly from the way he writes, the author of that Gospel, the disciple who Jesus loved, the one who sat by him at the Last Supper, who stood by him at the cross with his mother Mary, to whom Mary was entrusted after Jesus died, who saw the empty tomb with Peter, and who sat on the beach with the resurrected Jesus and the rest of the twelve. In other words, 
This is somebody who's been there and done it, who's been at the heart of the action uh, of Jesus' earthly ministry. He spent three years up close and personal with Jesus, following him around, hearing his teaching, seeing his death, witnessing his resurrection and his ascension. I personally have never had major surgery, thankfully, uh, unless you count root canal surgery, which probably don't. Uh, But if I ever did have really major surgery, like open-heart surgery, I would really want to know that the surgeon really knew their stuff and really um, had a very clear idea of what they were going to be doing when they got inside me. Uh, I'd check that the surgeon had done it before, this procedure, that they hadn't just read about it in a textbook, hadn't just Googled it in a a side room. Uh, I'd make sure that the surgeon knew where they were going, which artery was which, and that she knew the equipment she was going to use and the uh, tools she would use. She knew her team really well, and that she knew the nurses and, very importantly, the anaesthetists who were going to be working with her. And when all of that was confirmed, then I'd be happy to go ahead and say, okay, I'm reasonably happy now. I'm still pretty nervous, but I'm reasonably happy to go ahead and let you operate on me. An experienced team, an experienced practitioner is needed for big high-stakes events. A very big high-stakes event next year, probably the, the key one of next year in this country anyway, will be the coronation of the king in May or June, I think it says. Uh, certainly for that event, lots of key people will have to be in place. And one of the key things will be the sound system. Uh, it'll be very important to have people who know exactly what they're doing for the sound engineering for that event. You're going to want people who know their microphones and their speakers and their transmission equipment and their wiring. And they'll want to know where to place everything, how far people will need to be from bits and pieces. Uh, they will need to know everything backwards in order to transmit and communicate not just with people in the building, the 2,000 people in Westminster Abbey, but the millions or billions are going to be watching around the world. Not just somebody who's just read about it in a book, who's only just walked into Westminster Abbey for the first time on the morning of the coronation. No, they're going to want somebody much, much more experienced than that. Certainly not somebody like me, who's only ever done PA in Little Shelford Church. You might want somebody a bit more like Lee or Neil, who's actually done it professionally, who knows what they're doing. And so when they've confirmed all of that stuff, they know exactly what they're doing, they know all their equipment, they know their team, they know the building, they know what's going to be happening. Then the organisers go ahead and say, yes, that's our guy. We'll give them the contract. We have confidence in them. They have credentials. Now, a much bigger event than heart surgery, much bigger event than a state coronation is the Lord Jesus, the word of life. And we need somebody much more qualified simply than a heart surgeon or a sound engineer. We need somebody who's been there and spent time with him, listened to him and seen him, touched him even. And John is saying he is our guy. He does have the credentials to talk about the Lord Jesus. And the main outcome of that is we, want to read, we should want to read on. Um, we're not reading somebody who's just making it up. We're not reading somebody who's just had a momentary vision in a cave. We're reading somebody who really does know what they're talking about when they refer to Jesus and when they discuss his teachings. Okay, John, you're our guy. We'll trust you with this. We'll read on. But he's given us additional reason here as well. 
in order to want to read on. He's not just given us the subject matter of his book, not just his credentials, but also he's shared with us at the end of this prologue the reason why he's sharing with us. Uh, Not every heart surgeon, not every sound engineer would write a letter or a book about what they do. Many of them would actually want to keep it to themselves and keep hold of that information, that expertise, uh, to make the most of it in their career. But John is sharing with us uh, exactly uh, what his area of expertise is about the Lord Jesus. And we see in verse 3 why he does that. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship with us. And not just fellowship at a human level, not just fellowship with some sort of knitting circle. No, instead fellowship with also God the Father and Jesus Christ his Son, because our fellowship, John's fellowship, is with them. This is an invitation into a divine circle, a divine family circle. So there's a clear evangelistic intent to this letter, and John is very upfront with us about that. But that evangelistic intent is set, is couched in family terms, terms of fellowship, relational terms. This isn't just a proclamation to correct us about things we're wrong about. It's not just a proclamation to make us believe the right things about God. It's not just a proclamation to show off John's own righteousness or his own braininess, uh, his own knowledge. It's certainly not simply a proclamation to get something out of us. Instead, it's a proclamation with the intention of fellowship, that we would join him and come to know God and share in that family circle, that divine family circle. A wonderful invitation, a letter about Jesus from somebody authoritative inviting us to join with him. This is a relationship where all parties benefit. Uh, John benefits and we benefit. It's not simply about him getting something out of us. He's inviting us to something which is mutually advantageous. A lot of things are much more exciting when they are presented to us with that relational aspect. Uh, Advertisers know that very well. So an advertiser will not try to sell us a contract for BT phone and internet um, simply because it's the cheapest deal on the market. Probably isn't. Uh, Instead, they'll use phrases like, it's good to talk. Uh, Relationship. This facilitates relationship. PG Tips don't try to sell us PG Tips tea bags just because they are the tastiest tea bag out there, they probably aren't. Uh, but instead, they'll uh, have these funny little adverts with the Yorkshire monkey, won't they? Uh, having a folksy conversation with somebody over a nice cup of PG Tips tea. This is a tea bag that will facilitate homely little conversations and chats. And slightly more classly, uh, I said it to the 9.30 service, maybe slightly more little shelfody. Uh, We are not sold Ferrero Rocher chocolates because they are the crunchiest, tastiest little uh, chocolate bites out there. Instead, the advertisers sell us Ferrero Rocher chocolate uh, with the idea that we're going to become part of some sort of ambassadorial reception. Oh, ambassador, you're spoiling us, goes the adverts. And that appeal, that relational appeal, um, tries to sell the chocolate to us. 
Well, the fellowship with God is certainly not a gimmicky thing that John is simply trying to sell, but the relational aspects that he introduces to us here, that he makes very clear in the beginning of his letter, does show us something of just how good God is. Not simply a dogma to get right, not simply a creed to dryly recite, but something to joyfully enjoy relationship with, someone to joyfully enjoy relationship with. A relationship that really is better than the odd phone conversation on your BT landline, much better than a a chat with a woolen monkey over PG tips, much better even than an embassy dinner. Fellowship with God. And gospel outlines that we give, gospel summaries, can sometimes necessarily be a little bit reductionistic, can't they, in just giving us propositional statements about the truth. And sometimes they lose the focus that we should have on the point of it all, of having fellowship, having peace with God, as our memory verse of the month for January says at the beginning of our service sheets. We can be so focused on things like Forgiveness, which are very important, that we forget what the point of those things is. But John makes clear that his purpose is fellowship with us, fellowship with God. And that's a huge part of the goodness of the good news. In great measure, the fellowship offered through the gospel with the church and with God himself. John himself was certainly sold on the goodness of that aspect of the gospel. As we see in that final verse 4, we write this to make our joy complete. Uh, He knows that as he sees people join the fellowship, join the church, come to know God, his joy will will be made ever more complete. Mutually beneficial fellowship. He's not trying to keep people at arm's distance, not trying to keep control of the information himself, not trying to... Uh, big himself up, but inviting everybody into fellowship with God, with the church, through Jesus, the word of life. And John is our reliable guide as we proceed um, with this invitation. Let's give thanks for that now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Apostle John, for the time he spent with the Lord Jesus, hearing from him, seeing him in action. Thank you for giving him remembrance of that interaction many years later when he wrote this letter. And we pray that you would give us great assurance as we read it as a church in the next few months, that you would strengthen our fellowship and so strengthen our joy in the Lord Jesus for our sake and for his. Amen.